Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Monday, everybody, and welcome into the Gramlich and MacLean podcast, presented by Ingles, the official supermarket of Gramlich and MacLean. Mac, I hope you had a great July Fourth last week. People were doing things. We had a great Fourth. I know you did too. You might hear Jacob a little bit in the background there, um, but we're very excited about today's episode, aren't we? That's right, KG. And yeah, Fourth of July, celebrating your birthday. It looked like you guys had an amazing time at the beach and, and all the baby content. You know, that, that's what we live for nowadays, people. It used to be, you know, tracking down partners and what guests we could get and, and all about the, the college football content. But right now, it's about the baby content. That's what we live for. Uh, and, and Amelia, Jacob, living their best lives. Both were near water. One was a beach. One was a pool. All Fourth of July. And, and KG, I do have to to call you out because you've changed a little bit being a mom. Uh, you know, you used to really like fireworks at 10, 10 o'clock at night right next to your house. Now, maybe not so much. Yes. Okay. Th- but also, here's my thing, Mac. If you want to shoot out fireworks, I get it. But July 5th, why? July 5th. Why, y'all? July 4th is the day. And even if you want to do it before, July 2nd is actually the day that we signed the Declaration of Independence, Mac, on my birthday. If you want to do that, that's, that's fine. Right. July 5th makes no sense, people. Yeah. It makes absolutely well, I no think, sense. Well, I think your biggest quarrel was, like, you you it, you got hit by, like, the shrapnel. Like, it was that close. It was right I mean, it in was front of my door. As, okay, as my husband would say, it's South Carolina, baby. You don't know what's <laughs> going to happen. You never know. You never know. But yeah, I'm excited, KG. We're getting so close oh. to August, so close to fall. Uh, the summer guest tour has been amazing. Uh, just all the great guests and, and people that share a little bit of time with us. And, and we've got like two left, I think. Um, so big shout out to our guest today, Jason Romano, a guy that you and I both really respect. Love to hear his content and, and the things that he's doing, KG. 100%. I think this is going to be a very unique guest for people to listen to. He's the director of media with Sports Spectrum and the host of the very popular Sports Spectrum podcast, an interview-driven show that features athletes, coaches, entertainers, and other personalities sharing their stories on the intersection of sports and faith. Mac and I have both been on this podcast. Jason is just one of a kind, and we're really excited to have him on, Mac. Yeah, that's right, KG. And really, before he did that, you know, his time in ESPN, 17 years, you know, had been there for so long. And a guy that you'll hear this in the in the interview didn't even think that was a possibility. You know, didn't think that that was even an option, you know, for him. And then, you know, kind of at the end of his tenure there, being a producer on on one of the, if not the most successful show, you know, that ESPN's had. And Mike and Mike, I mean, that's what I grew up on. I, I say that a little bit later here too. But, you know, it was a lot of fun hearing his stories, hearing why he decided to leave the business. And, uh, of course, the great things that he is doing now. So we're super excited for this interview. You guys are going to love it. But real quick, let's have a little message from our friends over at Ingles. At Ingles, we know your closest companions are the ones who are always there for you. The ones you trust to have your back, no matter what. Who make the hard times a little softer. And the good ones, somehow, a little better. That's what family is all about whether they walk on two legs or four. Ingles, all the ingredients for family. (laughs) 
Jason Romano, welcome to the podcast. We're so glad to have you on. We've been on your podcast, and so you're returning the favor, and we just really yes. appreciate it. So, Jason, how's it going, man? How's your summer? How are things with Sports uh, Spectrum? What's going on? It's going great. First of all, Kelly and Eric, it's awesome to be on with both of you guys. I love that you do your show together and that we both, you both have been on our show and I've kind of heard your story. So once you, you know, Eric made the invite in the text and I'm like, of course, absolutely. <laughs> I even put on my Clemson yes. shirt. That's but right, baby. <laughs> when I went to Clemson last yeah, last uh, fall to, to, to get the experience of being down there. Um, so I'm doing well. Summer's going well. It's, it's, it's weird. You know, we were empty nesters, my wife and I, last uh, fall when we brought our daughter to college as a, a freshman at Indiana Wesleyan. And I got used to this empty house because we we're, you know, we have one child and then we just brought her back a couple months ago. And, and now we have another adult human in the house. And, <laughs> uh, we're getting used to having our daughter, but I'm so glad she's back. But you know, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting time of life to have a daughter who's like an adult child and mm -hmm. you parent them. You guys are both new parents, brand new parents for you, Kelly. And it's, it's completely different parenting like a 19 year old, you know, almost sophomore in college than it was when even when she was like 15 or 16. Right. Yeah. Different season. She's got some independence now and she's yeah. been living on her own. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Well, I wanted to ask you that. We're, we're kind of, we're already going off script. KG loves when she has this beautiful thing and I just take a right turn because uh, the opportunity That's presents what we itself. Do. How you, you talk about that parenting. Um, was it was it mom's choice? Was it your choice? Was it your daughter's choice? Like, and and how is it different? Because you know she, she is on her own to yeah. an extent, and, and she's off to college, but now she's back. Is it my rules, my house? What what's kind of the what changed? I guess from two years ago when when she was still under under your house. Well, I think you know she has a year of living under on her own under her belt, and so she's doing a few things just like coming and going without asking necessarily. Yeah. And I, yep. we did kind of say. Hey, give it. You kind of raised your eyebrow when that first happened. Like, where, where are you going? Yeah, Hold on. I have Life 360 on my phone. I don't know if you have that app or you guys know what that is. But when your kids turn 16, if Life 360 is still around, you will have it because it was this app that allows you to kind of track, you know, where your kid's oh. going. So, and I'm not trying to be like crazy overprotective dad, but I, you know, when your daughter gets her license, you know, you want to know where she's going and make sure she got there okay. So it's just an app that tracks on her phone and on my phone. And it keeps me posted on like where she's going. And when she arrives, it tells me, Hey, your daughter or Sarah has arrived at this location. So it's just comforting. Right? So we've kept this app going. Um, and now I can still see where she's going, but she doesn't have to ask me if she wants to go there. Um, so there's that aspect. Uh, you know, I walk into her room and I'm kind of like, what are you doing? Like, why is all these clothes still on the floor? And you just kind of live in the best life that you want. Like you wouldn't do this if you were in college. So there's a little bit of that. Um, but honestly, it's been good to have her back because she does have her freedom and she's hanging out with her friends, but there's, you know, we're pretty tight knit, you know, threesome of a family of me, my wife and my daughter. And you know, we've been able to do a lot of cool things together. We went on a vacation up, you know, in the, in the North New Hampshire area for a week. It's just been good to kind of reconnect because it, it'll be two months from now, it'll happen like that. And she'll be back at college mm -hmm. and then it's like, okay, we're empty nesting again. So yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's really an interesting time. This was her choice, by the way, to go to Indiana mm -hmm. Wesleyan, which is 12 hours from Bristol, Connecticut. So I'm glad that she went away because I had a lot of good experience. Maybe both of you guys did too, of just being away from home yep. and learning and growing up. 
but mom still misses her baby, you know, and I'm, that's right. I think if Dawn had a, had a choice in this, my wife, she would have probably said, just go to the, go to the university of Connecticut or something <laughs> yeah, a little closer. Right. <laughs> but my daughter doesn't march to the beat of everybody else's drum. She does what she wants to do. And she tried to, tries to follow, um, God's path for her life. And that's what she's chosen. So it's been good. That's awesome. All right. I got, I do have one more and this is a little bit more to me, KG. I'm selfish. I'm sorry because you don't have a daughter yet. If you, if you're doing more or whatever, um, g- give me biggest advice, man, because it is different, right? Mm-hmm. When having a girl and, and we as men have no, any clue about women no. and now you're, you're raising one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so give me, give me just one, give me, give me the biggest thing that the lesson that if you could go back 20, whatever years, and say, man, I, I should have done this earlier. I wish I would have done whatever it is. Yeah. H- hit me with that real quick. So I don't have a ton of regrets, thankfully, but you know, I grew up with a dad who wasn't present. Um, so I, I wanted to be the dad that I didn't have um, from my own dad, if that makes sense. And I also didn't have any real women, you know, women other than my mom. I had two brothers. So it was three boys and we were boys, you know? And so getting, having a daughter, which initially, and I told Sarah this, so she's not going to be mad if she hears this. Like I was hoping when we found out it was a girl, that it would be a boy because I'm a guy. And I think every guy wants to have a boy to, you know, raise or whatever. The second she came out of the womb and the, and the second I looked at my daughter and I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. This kid is amazing. And you know, I wouldn't want a son at this point. You know, if we were to have two kids, I would have probably said, give me another daughter. Um, they're really hard to, to raise and parent when they're in their early teens. That was the hardest year, the middle school years. Um, Kelly's laughing. She knows Get ready, uh, Mac. <laughs> it's, it's just an awkward time. And yeah. It You're going through a lot. <laughs> yeah. They're going through a lot, but you know, the, the advice I give Eric is honestly, and you've got, you guys both know this, like Somebody said to me, you know, the best way you can show love is not L-O-V-E or spell love, L-O-V-E, but it's T-I-M-E. Mm. It's time. And I said, yes. Mm. I, and I think that was my biggest thing, you know, that I didn't get from my own dad that I really wanted with Sarah was for her to know that A, I'm always going to be there for her, but B, I want to spend time with her. Like I want to be involved in her life. And it's, it sounds so simple, but there's a lot of people who struggled with that for whatever reasons. And I think, you know, even when I was at ESPN and I saw a lot of, a lot of people who work there, who spent so many hours there and I get it. Like, that's why they're at the top of what, you know, what they did, but they might be thinking, well, I'm providing for my family and I'm, you know, I'm there for my family. And there was a moment for me about halfway through my career at ESPN when I said, listen, I loved my job there. I loved being there. I loved the work I got to do, but if it meant me missing out on the formative years of my daughter's life, I couldn't sign up for it. And so I chose a different path, a different route uh, because of that. And I have zero regrets. I could have gotten a nice raise and could have gotten a lot more money and even a little prestige in the title. Uh, But I chose not to go that route because I could not take a chance on not being there for my kid in those formative years. And I have zero regrets over that. That is really good advice, Jason. I, I, you know, I completely agree, even though I'm only seven and a half weeks in. I've given him a lot of my time so far <laughs> and I'm middle of the night. And you know what? It's been worth it. It totally has. So, okay, let's start with ESPN and we'll get to your decision to leave ESPN and start Sports Spectrum and all this kind of stuff. But I want to yeah. start with ESPN and really just how you got there. Did you grow up kind of a sports fanatic as a kid? Tell us more about how you became one of the, the biggest producers 
at ESPN before you left to start this. I, I love, thank you for that kind compliment, it's but I'm true. sure there were many way above me that were much more talented and have been there longer. But, uh, you know, it's funny. I grew up like a lot of people who work at ESPN, especially the behind the scenes people, mm -hmm. uh, like I was, we grew up as sports nerds. Like I love sports, you know, before I had any kind of faith in my life, I say sports was my God. Like that was what I worship. That's what I spent time studying. That's what I wanted to be around my friends and talk about. I watched it. I played it not to the level that you two played it at, but I played it and did okay in high school. Um, but I just loved being around it. And so when I realized I wasn't going to be a, a collegiate athlete or, you know, a division one collegiate athlete or a professional athlete, the next best thing was to try and go into sports broadcasting. So that's what I went to college for. I went to a small state school in upstate New York, New Paltz, uh, loved being at SUNY New Paltz and, and learning about the broadcasting uh, world and getting my feet wet and just kind of, you know, doing the local, you know, small college radio and, and television circuit. And it was fun. It was great. And I realized during my time in college that this is what I would like to do if possible for the rest of my life, at least at that time uh, in broadcasting. And so I went to local radio for three years and I still had no idea that ESPN could ever happen, if I'm being honest. I mean, my dream job at at 12 or 13, it wasn't even a dream job, but if I could have picked anywhere, it would have been NFL films or ESPN, but outside, cause I loved watching it, but I didn't think I could actually get a job there. You know, it felt like becoming a professional NFL player. It just was so far out there that I couldn't really even dream it. My dream job was to be the local sports anchor at WMYT channel 13 in Albany, New York, where I grew up. And that would have been I mean, that would have been amazing if that ever could have happened. Um, so to get to ESPN was just ridiculous. But I remember when I applied for the job, it was online in the late 90s when the internet was around, but it wasn't in its, it was in its formative years as well, we'll just say. Uh, but there was a job listing for an ESPN radio producer job uh, in Bristol, Connecticut for the network. And I applied just on a whim. I remember telling my wife, you know, like, hey, I just applied for a job at ESPN online. I don't think they're even going to call. But just so you know, you know, just a little heads up for you. And we had just been married like five months. Uh, I didn't even have the conversation like, what do you think if I ever got a job? I just applied on a whim. They called and I told wow. her, I'm like, this is a little more real than it, you know, than it may have been a week ago. I went out for the interview and it became a little more real. And then ultimately, you know, they made the offer and Thankfully, my wife knew that this broadcasting journey that I was on potentially could take us away from Albany, New York, where we grew up. Uh, and here we are still 23 years later in Bristol, Connecticut. Um, and that's how I got there. I loved my time there, by the way. It was awesome. Uh, but that's how I got there. And I didn't know anybody. You know, a lot of people know. Sure. You know, you guys both know this. The people who work at ESPN, the majority of them knew at least somebody who got them their foot in the door. Somehow I had nobody, I didn't know anyone. Um, I just got lucky, you know, or blessed or whatever word you want to use. Uh, I would use the word blessed, but it really felt like I got lucky at that time where I was just right place, right time, right person. Um, I probably lived close enough to where I could drive out to maybe somebody else, you know, far away. I lived two hours, uh, could have flown in and maybe I got there sooner. I don't know, but I got there and it was, <laughs> it was amazing. Wow. I mean, that, that's, that's brilliant to, to kind of hear that. And, and I think it's, 
it's just something that it's such this mountaintop, right? You know, you know, ESPN and, and doing that and, and just, you know, a network that so many of us, especially sports fans, just grew up watching everything you know, that was a part of that. Um, and, and it does. I mean, it, walking on that campus, we, we have this talk, it feels like once a week, but it's, there's nothing like it. I mean, to, to walk in the footsteps of where some of the giants uh, that, that work there, have worked there and will work there, that we're just a small piece of it is, uh, it, it is really cool. So, how about any sh- stories that you can share? Any memories, man? Because you know, seventeen years at ESPN, some of the biggest shows. Yeah. Uh, the show I grew up on, the show that grew me up. You know, with with Mike and Mike, and yes. you know all that stuff, man. Uh, anything that you can share? Any fun times? I mean, seventeen years. You're gonna have tons of fun times. <laughs> um, there's so many. You know, I, I think my favorite day at ESPN. People ask me that question a lot was the day I got to spend um, showing Daryl Strawberry, you know, around ESPN. Um, I was a talent producer. This is 2009, so I'm nine years into my ESPN tenure. Daryl Strawberry, for those um, who are trying to put this all together in full circle motion, uh, was my childhood hero, as a sports hero as a kid. So that's your, your guy, right? We all had the posters of someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all had our guys, our gals that we watched and rooted for and idolized when we were kids. Daryl Strawberry was that for me. And so I find out that he's coming to ESPN and I could not be more excited. And then I'm assigned to basically produce Daryl's day at ESPN. He, he did the car wash, which I'm not even yeah. sure if ESPN still does the car wash. I no, know, but that used to be a big thing. It was a big thing back in the time I was there. And in 2009, Daryl was coming to Bristol, Connecticut to do the car wash. And the car wash is basically you know, a day of interviews on all the different shows at ESPN. A lot of the shows uh, now that you would know are not all based in Bristol, but at that time, every single big show other than pardon the interruption was based in Bristol. So sports center, Mike and Mike, NFL live baseball tonight, sports nation, uh, all of those shows, uh, all the sports centers, obviously were all based in Bristol. So we had this scheduled and I spent the whole day with my hero, just him and me. Uh, that alone is great. So here's the catch, though. That's one thing to just be connected to your hero for, for you know, a day. As we started talking and hanging out, we found ourselves, you know, in between shows at the cafeteria. Uh, you hopefully both have been to the ESPN. We cafeteria. love the cast. It's, it's the best. It's gigantic. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure it's even bigger now than it was six years ago when I was there. But that was the moment when I realized that Daryl Strawberry, the person, was more interesting to me than Daryl Strawberry, the baseball player. And all I wanted to do when I was spending the day with Daryl was talk about the 1986 Mets. You know, that was my team as a 13-year-old kid. And they won the World Series, and he was a part of that. And we didn't talk baseball the entire day. Mm-hmm. Daryl immediately switched the flipped the switch and said, Jason, tell me about you. And I'm thinking, why are you interested in me? Like, you're Daryl Strawberry. I'm just some random producer. So I told him, I told him about, you know, my job. I told him about Sarah and Dawn and, and then I got into my, my personal story of my dad. And I started telling him about, you know, I broke, grew up with a dad who loves sports, but he wasn't always there and he struggled with alcohol. And then Daryl started kind of immediately pressing in because that's his story. He grew mm-hmm. up with a dad who was an alcoholic. He became an addict. He lost so much of his sports prowess because of drugs and alcohol and, and making bad decisions that and he was in jail you know he had a really rough stretch and then he became a follower of Jesus and his life turned around and now he's a traveling evangelist but that was what brought 
I think him into interest into my, him interested in my life was was my dad's story. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, he gave me his number and said, "Stay in touch." And I'm going to stay in touch with you. I got I gave him my number, and it was because of my dad. And it was I was blown away that this hero of mine gave me his phone number and told me to stay in touch. And I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to, I got to, I got to I got to walk this line very carefully because right. I'll call Daryl Strawberry every day. Don't blow like, him up. <laughs> don't, don't, don't mess this up. So I didn't call him for like five or six months. I didn't know what to do. And all of a sudden my phone rang one day and I looked and it was Daryl. I had put, you know, I put his picture on my phone and put his name in my phone. And there it was. And I show my wife, I said, look, Daryl Strawberry's calling me. And she goes, well, you better answer the phone and stop like yeah. getting excited. And so I talked to him and he just asked me how my dad was doing and wow. we talked for five, 10 minutes. And I kid you not, since 2009, it's been what, that's at 14 years, at least a couple times a year, he will just call and check in and see how my dad's doing, see how I'm doing. What's weird though, is that we became friends from that moment. And ultimately, I wrote a book called Live to Forgive, which is about my broken relationship with my dad. And Daryl agreed to write the forward to the Mm -hmm. book. So the first book I ever write and my childhood hero is on the cover with his name along with mine. And then we've gone and done probably three or four, you know, conferences or, or church setting moments where we've been together doing ministry and speaking about this act of forgiveness that that is out there. And I just kind of pinch myself. Well, maybe you guys have done that too with the jobs you've had and the opportunities. But who am I to be standing up on a stage with my childhood hero? And we're not talking about baseball at all or sports or ESPN. We're talking about forgiveness and reconciliation and ultimately faith. Um, yeah. I hope that was a good enough story for you, Eric, because I got a lot more. It's amazing. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Story. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's a great story. And that's I mean, more obviously more important than baseball. So here's right. my next question for you is going to be, how did you decide you wanted to move on from ESPN and mm-hmm. and go into sports ministry, sports yeah. spectrum, all that? I have to imagine the relationship and the conversations with Daryl Strawberry and being able to talk to him, a sports icon, about something other than sports, about his faith, was a catalyst for you. But tell me more about that, how you made that decision and why. I hadn't thought about it being a catalyst, but it makes sense now um, to realize that this intersection of sports and faith can coexist. At 2009, I was just so focused on my job and, you know, I really didn't even, I mean, I was a, 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 you know, follower of Christ, a Christian who went to church at that time. I was fairly new in my faith, maybe six, seven years. Um, I began my faith journey around 27 or so, but that might've been a catalyst to realize, wait a minute, these two worlds can really intersect. Yeah, maybe subconsciously right. a little bit. Right. No, seriously, because a couple of years later was when it was probably 2015 when I found myself and I, I wasn't doing any kind of speaking or, you know, motivational public type of speaking or, or preaching or anything like that at that time. Now I'm doing a lot more, but at that time I wasn't doing much at all. And I was invited to come to this conference in Nashville, it was a small gathering I call it a conference, but it was a gathering, probably about a hundred people. And all of these people were working for faith-based companies or nonprofits uh, that were, you know, doing their work in my eyes for a greater purpose and a greater good. And they were also working in social and digital media. And at that time, that's what I was doing at ESPN. 
And I was the only person invited to this conference who worked for a secular organization and who worked in sports. And they invited me to just share my story and to maybe share a, a couple tidbits here and there of like what was working in, in our space and social media at ESPN. So I went, uh, I shared, and I remember walking out of that conference and getting ready to go back to work the next day and thinking, wouldn't it be interesting if my work somehow fell into place to do more for God with sports? Like, I don't know how that would work. You know, I could be a gr- as good of an ambassador for my faith as I can at my job, but my job was sports and I was a producer uh, for ESPN. So my job was to be the best producer I could be and, and work on those shows. But I started thinking, Kelly, seriously, I wonder if something could come about with this. I don't know what, but I felt like maybe God was calling me to do more for him. And that necessarily doesn't mean leaving ESPN. It could have been easily getting involved in sports ministry, but still working at ESPN, you know, working for FCA or volunteering or whatever. In 2016, late 2015, early 2016, I went to work on Mike and Mike again. So I've worked two years on Mike and Mike, my very first year and my very last year at ESPN, I was working with Mike and Mike. I bookended my career with one of the most successful shows that there's ever been. And at the end of my career, it was at its peak. Like it was on television and radio and social and digital. And they were, they were, you know, legends by the time I came back to work on that show. And I had such a blast. It might've been my favorite year I worked at ESPN was working on Mike and Mike in 2016. But I also just kept having this underlying feeling, this notion that maybe it was time to, to leave or I still wanted to do more for God. I just didn't know what that meant. And then I met Steve Stenstrom, who is my current boss at Sports Spectrum. He's the president of Sports Spectrum. He's also the president of a ministry called Pro Athletes Outreach. And at that time, Pro Athletes Outreach, PAO, had just acquired Sports Spectrum. Now, Sports Spectrum had been around and has been around since 1985. And it's been a magazine and a periodical and a media company that shares, you know, stories of sports and faith. And both of you guys, your faith's important to you, and you've both been on our show. But when Steve acquired it, he and I had previously, you know, connected for, you know, a small chat on the phone, nothing crazy. And when they got sports spectrum, I don't know why he had his, his thoughts about, you know, thinking about me being a part of that. So we reached out and we had a conversation and I said, maybe, and then he invited me and flew me to Atlanta, Georgia, one of his conferences. And we sat down and we talked through what this might look like. And here's the caveat though. He was offering the best he could offer me was a 40% pay cut from what I was making at ESPN. And it was a contract position. It was a one-year contract position with no guarantees. Uh, And yeah, well, right. Um, And when he offered it, he's like, listen, I'm not telling you to take this or not to take this. I totally get it. If you don't think this is where God's calling you, I, he said, but I believe you were meant to be in this position, but this is the best I can do. But I think God will do greater things. If, if, if this goes the way I think it will, I said, okay, let me pray about this and let yeah. me talk to my <laughs> wife about this yeah. right? because um, that's a, probably an important thing to do. And initially my wife was like, nah, this isn't the right time, you know? Uh, and ultimately I came back to her after about a month of thinking about this. And I just said, I really think this might be a yes for me. If it's a yes for you, let me explain why. And I said, 
40% less is a lot of money. I said, but we've, we've lived off of 40% less previously. There was a time when I made that much money at ESPN. I said, so we've been okay. I said, but from, for, from a person of faith, this is, this is your faith is never really your faith until you activate it. Mm. This may be the first time or the second time in my life where I truly had to activate taking a leap of faith and trusting that God was going to provide if this was truly coming from him. Now, for me, it was convincing my wife that if this was from me, it probably would just crumble. But if it was from God, he would make a way. That's that's mm-hmm. that's what I felt because of my faith. And so as I navigated this, I, I showed her, I said, listen, I think God's going to do some cool things here. I don't know what. I said, but I think there's going to be some other opportunities and he'll make a way. So thankfully, she gave me the blessing and I took this leap of faith. And I, the only person that I told at ESPN who came back to me and said, I don't think this is a good idea was one of my previous bosses. And we just sat down and he goes, are you crazy? Are you crazy? And I said, maybe I said, but I just feel like this is where I'm supposed to do where I'm supposed to go and what I'm supposed to do. And he goes, I just don't see it, man. He goes, but I love you and I support you, but I just don't see it. But every other person that I told and shared with, including Mike and Mike of all people, just never, there was never a doubt. They all said, this is, this is perfect. This is where you need to be. This is where you should be. And this was kind of half time of life, if you will, and half time of my career. I was 43 at the time, I think. And, you know, if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm going to make the move, it had to be at that time, or I probably wasn't going to make it. Like if I was still there today at almost 50 years old, I probably ain't leaving unless they kicked me out. Like, I, I just think I'd be there for as long as I could be there for. So at that time it was, it was, I was just trying to be obedient to where God was calling me, but also if I'm going to take a chance, I felt like that was the right time. And six years later, I'm still there. Um, God has blessed me more than I could have ever imagined. Uh, we're almost back, not there quite, but we're almost back to what it was when I left the ESPN <laughs> salary wise, but I, I didn't do it for the money to be quite honest right. with you guys. I did right. it because I believed it was a calling that I was, I was being placed with. Um, but the doors have swung wide open on things like speaking and writing two books. Like that stuff was not in the cards when I left. Right. Sure. ESPN. I wasn't looking to like say, grow this platform and this brand to whatever speak and share. I was just trying to do what I thought was the right thing to do for my life. Wow. How about that? I mean, you, you talk about, I mean, just having that faith and, and to, to do something that, yeah. Again, I, I just we were just talking about it, the dream, and, and you got to it. You're on the mountaintop. You're you're there, and then to to kind of be looking to the other mountaintop and say, well, I think that's the mountain. I'm, you got to go down, right? You, you know, the top of one mountain is just the bottom of another, but and you have to continue quick, that let, climb. Let me interrupt you real quick because here's the funny thing about this whole story. When I was 20 years old in college, my dream was to host my own sports talk show. You know, and to end up at Channel 13, but to host my own sports talk show. When I left ESPN, that was the first um, job role that they gave me was to start and host the Sports Spectrum podcast. And I laughed at them. I said, I'm not supposed to host anything. I've been producing for 20 years. I'm not a host. And they said, no, we believe in you. We believe in the people that you learned from are the best interviewers out there. The Bob Lees, the Mike Greenbergs. The Stuart Scotts, you know, all of the legends, the Kevin Nagandis, those people are, are, are people that I watched and produced with and learned from. You know how to interview people. And I just said, okay. 
you sure about this? And they said, yeah, <laughs> that's, but the funny, the full circle moment is me doing my own show, mm. which is something that I never thought would ever happen, you know, yeah. especially into my mid to late forties. By that time you sure see, like your, your career arc is kind of set up. And now I've been doing this show for six years and I love it. And I'm kind of doing wow. everything that I wanted to do when I was a kid, just in a different way with, with right. the faith aspect. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's totally incredible. And that sounds like kind of where I want to go with, with one of the, I don't know if you want to call it a box or, or checkups or, or whatever, yeah. but what, what events, I guess, these past six years, what kind of God winks along the way kind of helped you and your wife and, and your daughter kind of be like, okay, this is, this is why we did it. This is going the way I thought this is happening. This is, this is where I need to be. Well, I didn't know where it was going to go, to be honest with you. I just knew, um, if it was from God and not from me that he would take care of it. I mean, that, that's my trust. That's my faith. Right. Uh, but there's a few confirmations. The first, which is a funny story was in 2018, the Philadelphia Eagles, or I think it was 2017 into the 28 year, 2018 year won the Super Bowl. They beat the, 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 uh, Patriots and it's still the only Super Bowl the Eagles have ever had. Now I grew up a Dallas Cowboys fan. Um, so you know how I feel about the Eagles, right? You guys have your rivalries. I have mine. So the Eagles win the Super Bowl, but that was a year where Nick Foles and Carson Wentz and so many guys on that team were, you know, so outspoken about their faith. And two weeks after the Eagles won the Super Bowl, I'm at a conference with a bunch of professional football players and in a conference room getting ready to tape a Sports Spectrum podcast with six members of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. Now I did not tell them I was a Dallas Cowboys fan. What? You didn't have your jersey on? You didn't have your boys it's jersey? Smart. I'm trying to get off on a good foot here. Yes, yes. smart, yes. smart. So here's what the here's the whole irony of the whole story. So I'm interviewing them, and it's great. And you know, we kind of had a round table of you know five players and myself, and stuck a microphone right in the middle and just started talking. But right at the end, Stefan Wisniewski, who was the center on that team at the time and a very outspoken man of faith, you know, he had led the post game prayer at the 50 yard line at the Super Bowl two weeks earlier. So I said, Stefan, would you be willing to kind of pray us out on this, mm. you know, podcast, which I don't normally have a opportunity for closing prayer on a podcast, but this was one where I just felt like it, his guy, his teammates got all excited. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. And then there's this picture. Cause we all locked arms and I'm locking arms with five members of the Eagles while we're praying to this God that I believe in. And in the middle of this prayer, I have no idea what Stefan said because my prayer was, God, you have an incredible sense of humor yes. putting me in a huddle <laughs> with five members of the right. Eagles as we thank you for what you're doing in their lives. That's, that's right. a full circle moment where I'm like, all right, this is really from God here because this isn't my choice, my choice to be in a huddle with five members of the Eagles as a Cowboys fan. Um, so that was an early story uh, that happened probably a year or so after I left that was full-on confirmation of what God was doing. I think another one would have been a few years later as we started getting opportunities to go to the Super Bowl and to do more interviews with players. We got a spot on Radio Row, and you guys know this from being around sports, that Radio Row is a coveted area at the Super Bowl, and Sports Spectrum got a spot there, and we get to do a bunch of interviews and interview these players, and they know they now all kind of expect faith questions because we've been outspoken enough and willing enough to say, Hey, we're going to go to these events and we're going to ask questions that other media outlets might not ask about. 
Right. And so that's that's confirmation to me that we're doing the right thing. You also mentioned my family. I mean, just the fact that I'm able to, you know, I, I say this with humility, but able to pay for my daughter's college. Um, that's a big college is expensive. She didn't get a scholarship per se, you know, an athletic scholarship. So we're paying for her college and God is making a way and making mm-hmm. that opportunity possible um, six years later. And, you know, that's all credit to him. But I'm just grateful that you know, this path that I'm on is, it feels like it's the right path. Now, I, I always walk out with open hands. Like if you want me to leave Sports Spectrum and go somewhere else or go back to ESPN or go somewhere else and do something, I'm always open-handed to say, okay, if this is from you, God, I'll, I'll do it. But I feel like God has me right where I, I want to be and right where I need to be um, with the ministry of Sports Spectrum. I think you are exactly correct with that, Jason. And that is such a cool way to put it that really God led you to being able to fulfill your dream of hosting a show for him. um, And you were producing for so many years. That's just, that's absolutely incredible. And you've had so many awesome people on your podcast, over 1300 episodes, I believe I was looking on Apple podcasts. That's incredible. That's That's crazy. Mac and I are on 294 and uh, that is nothing compared to 1300. Unreal. Who are, who are some people that you've had on, or that you haven't, I would like a mix of both if you can, just people that you feel like in sports are are sharing their faith and representing God and representing Christ in a way that is furthering the kingdom. Just maybe some people you've had on the pod, but also maybe some of the, the bigger stars that you look up to, if you will. Yeah, somebody that I met at ESPN actually in 2010 um, but I've been fortunate to become friends with and do a little ministry with and have him on my podcast is Tony Dungy. Mm. I mean, he's got such a footprint in the sports world, but he's also about as outspoken yeah. a man of faith as you will ever come across. He's also one of the most gentle and kind people you will ever come across, right? And so to be able to have him on our show and to be able to have him buy into, if I, if you will, what we're trying to do, you know, because we're not ESPN or Bleacher or Barstool or we're not getting millions and millions of hits every day, like some of these other media entities, but we're, we're, we're doing okay. We're smaller, but we're doing okay. But to have a Tony Dungy kind of advocate for what we're doing goes such a long way. And so to have him come on our show a few times, we've had him feels like every Super Bowl that we've been at the last few years, he's been able to come on for a few minutes with us and and do some interviews. I just saw him at a conference back in April in Minneapolis, and he did something with us there. So Coach Dungy, for sure. Um, mm. I think some people I haven't had on, you know, others that I have had on, like Nick Foles has been somebody who's been on this show a few times. And Nick is, you know, again, outspoken about his faith. But when you win a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP, your platform goes to a different level. And getting to know Nick and, and see his humility um, is really inspiring to me. And I'm glad that he comes on our show as well. Uh, we've had so many coaches and athletes. I mean, Dabo has been on. Um, Dabo was interviewed by Brock Heward on the Sports Spectrum yeah. podcast a couple years ago, and we put him on the cover of our Sports Spectrum magazine. And uh, so guys like that, to me, are just awesome. Uh, and I want to have them on as many times as they'd be willing to come on. The people I haven't had on, so I haven't interviewed Dabo yet, so that's that's a personal preference someday. We're working on it. I, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's if, see if we can make that happen. I'll come back to Clemson and do it in person. There we go. Come on. <laughs> um, but – Tebow for sure. Like I haven't had on Tim Tebow and you know, he's kind of the cliche guy that you would probably say if you were doing a sports and faith show, 
but I've met Tebow. I met Tim in, in 2011 when he was doing his thing with the Broncos. He was at the Super Bowl and doing some ESPN interviews. Um, and I've certainly been around a lot of people who know him just hasn't worked out yet. And that's okay. Uh, but that's about as I don't want to say effective because we can all be effective, but his platform is just at a different level Mm -hmm. and yet he doesn't compromise his faith and he's still asked to do all of these things. Like ESPN still puts him on their high profile shows and has him do, you know, amazing work that what he's doing there, but he doesn't compromise his faith ever. Um, and so I would love to ask him about that. Uh, Stephen Curry was the other guy, you know, from a big name perspective that I haven't talked to, but I feel like that would be an, a really fascinating conversation because his platform is like through the roof, right? Massive. Like there's LeBron and then there's Steph and Steph is right there. One beat is maybe LeBron's. I one. would argue Steph. I'm, I'm a Steph stan. So there you go. I, I love Steph too, but I, I, he doesn't, he talks a lot about his faith, but he's not sharing a ton or you, you pointing that i can't see it that's why i have a picture of stuff. <laughs> oh, there's, there's stuff right there um he, he he talks about his faith but i don't know if we, i fully or if he's talked or shared fully his story like mm. the wrestling of your faith when you become sure. who you become that's the type of questions and in, in, in conversation i would love to have is like okay you you stand firm on your foundation of your faith but man, when the, the, the world's got to be pulling at you when you're mm, making $300 sure. million dollars and becoming the greatest yeah. shooter of all time and winning championships. So a conversation like that would, would I mean, I would just be giddy over it. It would be amazing. I would listen. <laughs> I'll tell you. I would tune in. <laughs> well, hopefully Steph checks this out and then we can get him up. That's right. No, Steph's a big listener, man. He'll, he'll hear this and I, he'll reach out I, to I'm you. Sure uh, how, how about some, some future goals, man? What's the future look like for – uh, sports spectrum and, and goals that you have and, yeah. and where you want to get it. You just mentioned, you know, some of the great guests that, that could probably help you there, but what, what's next, what's the next step for, for sports spectrum and, and you? So that's a great question because it's probably the, the thing I think about every single day. Um, you know, I'm the director of media now for sports spectrum. So I'm not just hosting our podcast, but I'm kind of leading our team and, you know, in sh- like the person who is thinking about sports spectrum every day, I'm that guy, right? My boss is, have other things that they think about as well as sports spectrum. I don't, I have sports spectrum to think about. And it's, it's, it's this, I don't know, this love hate relationship I have with thinking about the future because I, there's so many things I want to do, but we're also a small ministry. We're a small outlet. We don't have a giant amount of resources and millions of dollars to spend. I wish we did. And if somebody wants to invest, you know, into sports spectrum, please call me because I'm, I'm ready to have a chat. But I would love to go into like documentaries. I, I just want to expand. Uh, and, and I believe the content that we're making, that we're getting out there is important content. And I still think a lot of people have no idea who we are and that's okay. Um, but that gives me hope and, and I'm excited about, okay, we have our magazine. It's a quarterly magazine. And, you know, I think it's about 5,000 or 6,000 people read it every quarter, or get it, you know, mailed to them as subscribers but I believe that could be in the 20 or 30,000 range because I think a lot of people could read this magazine and understand, okay, yeah, it's 2023. What would a magazine do? Well, why do you still read books and hold those books in your hand? It's for the same reason that I think the Sports Spectrum magazine can be an effective resource or tool to share these amazing stories. Uh, so I think about like the work that we're already doing and getting it seen by more people and then the dream stuff of documentaries and long-form storytelling 
um, you know, a TV type of, you know, video broadcast show type of thing. Like, could that exist for sports spectrum? And it's going to require partners and people who would be interested in being a part of it to help us. We can't do this on our own, but that's okay. When I think about ESPN story, they need a Getty. If you know the story, I don't know if you guys know this, like they need a Getty oil to come in and, you know, spot them millions and millions of dollars to get this thing off the ground. And it's what kept them, you know, floating for the first few years as they started their venture. You know, we're not ESPN by any means, but it's going to take some partnerships and some friendships and some opportunities to work with some people to see if we can get this to a different place. Those are the dreams I have. If, if God wants me to stay right where we are and just keep doing what we're doing, I will do that. Um, but I just don't see that. I think he wants a lot mm. more for it. Um, because I'm my goal and our goal at sports spectrum is to point to him. That's it. I mean, we use sports as a way to do that and you'll enjoy amazing sports stories with some really cool people like, you know, Kelly and Eric, but, uh, <laughs> we want to, to use this as a tool ultimately. And, you know, however we're meant to use that tool for his purposes, I'm, I'm all in. Yeah, so I appreciate you shouting out our episodes. We'll we'll link below. Uh, you can check those out. But uh, Jason, I'm I'm curious with this because we have a lot of student athletes on this podcast, a lot of ACC football guys, and yeah. some of them are very willing to share their face. Some a little more hesitant. I think when you're 18, 19, 20, I think Mac and I both re- experience this as well. And especially in today's world, I mean, you don't you don't want to offend anybody. That's always what people are afraid of. So, of what what would be some advice you have? Because you've interviewed some young student athletes as well. Yeah. On if you're 18, 19, kind of taking that leap of faith to your point, mm-hmm. and being willing to share their faith on a, a podcast or even just their social media or in their own locker rooms. Yeah, it's funny you say young people because we just had Cade Klubnik on our podcast. Mm, yes, I saw that. Yes. And so, like mm-hmm. talking to this young 19 year old kid from Clemson, who's got a real great opportunity in front of him this year. Um, but he's very outspoken and very um, public about his faith. Uh, but he does it in a really neat way that I think a lot of young people should learn from. And it would be the advice I would give. And it's to just be authentic. Um, you know, don't be, uh, arrogant or pompous Mm -hmm. or coming across as like, you know, it all, um, don't downplay what other people think or believe it might be different. You might even disagree with it, but, the thing that's gotten lost, especially over the last three or four years, you know, with social media and the the climate that we're in is people are automatically put in boxes because they might stand up and say something that they are firmly entrenched in, whether it's their faith or something else. And the more conversations that we can have, the better that will be because people will realize we're, we're just people who are trying to navigate life just like you are. So if you're a young person trying to navigate, how do I be public about my faith? Well, it starts with loving people first. Mm. Um, you aren't going to get anybody to care about how much you know about your faith or anything else, unless they know how much you care about them. And so, and you guys both know this because the locker room is such a beautiful place where this can be put on display because you're going to war with your teammate, no matter where they're from or what they believe or what they're saying or whatever, like that's your guy. That's your, that's your mate. That's who you're going to battle with. And then that person, if they know that you care about them and that you're going to go to battle for them, then they'll be willing to hear about your walk mm-hmm. with the Lord. They might disagree with it. They might agree with it. They might disagree and then suddenly turn to agreeing with it. That's happened too a lot of times. But I think if you're being authentic, that's the best way. I think if you're trying to be someone else, which young people struggle with, especially in the social media, Instagram, 
look at my perfect life world. Yep. <laughs> that can really come back to haunt you because real life isn't like that. Um, but if you're authentic, I think, you know, I've watched my daughter try to navigate this at 19 herself. And, you know, she's got caught up in trying to like play a, a little bit of a facade of who she really is. And I said, Sarah, you know, people aren't going to really, you know, I think if you want real friends in your real community, they want to see the real you. And if that real you is somebody who loves Jesus, great. Uh, be that person, you know, and you don't ever want to force your faith or push it in people's faces or tell them they're wrong and you're right. I, I just don't believe in that. I believe in standing firm in what you believe in and not being ashamed for what you believe in, but not, not trying to down, downplay other people's, you know, decisions that they make. And then that's what social media, unfortunately, has turned into from the negative side is just ripping people apart when they make terrible decisions or if they believe differently. But that's not, that's not how it works, I don't think. Um, and that's why, hopefully, I still have a lot of friends and people that I respected and worked with at ESPN that were of different faiths. Maybe they were Jewish. Maybe they were atheist, for all I know. I don't know. But I didn't care because they were the people I worked with. Um, mm -hmm. if they know that I'm a Christian because I share my faith on social media, but they're still willing to talk to me and be my friend. That's great. Uh, because that's what I want. Um, you know, and that's ultimately, I think how you, you should live your life as authentically as possible. Now, if you're hurting people, if the stuff you're saying and believing is demeaning people, I think it's worth doing a, a heart check because that's not going to get anybody anywhere either. Yeah, man, this was so powerful, brother. I appreciate you coming on. This was so much fun. We're going to get you back to Clemson. Let's do we'll it. talk with Coach. We'll get you some more Smoking Pig, oh, all that to. stuff. We'll, we'll make it happen. Pigs, by the way, shout out to the Smoking that's, Pig. That's right. That's right. We appreciate you, man. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Honored to be here. Thanks, guys. Thanks again to our guy, Jason Romano, for joining us. I think uh, Mac and I have both been pretty outspoken about our faiths and the fact that we were able to have Jason Romano on and spend some time talking about the intersection of sports and faith. I think, you know, faith is a huge part of sports in many respects. You've got a lot of people that are very open about it. A lot of college athletes, college athletes that we've had on our podcast, Riley Leonard comes right. to mind, the Duke quarterback who's going to have a big year. So we really appreciate Jason. And um, again, listen to his pod. He's had a lot of great people on there. Yeah. And um, it's a, it's worth the listen. He's got like 1,300 episodes. So go check that out. <laughs> That's what I was going to say, KG. The, the dude's done laps around what we've done. And, and super cool. The longevity, the the skill set that he has. But most importantly, you know, just being that faith-based. And, and like you said, how important it is to both you and I. And you know, it's just something that we've grown up on, we've grown in, and, and uh, you know, something that is obviously very important to us. So this was a fun episode, and I really, I, I just loved the story as to why, and, and, and the why he made the switch, and, and wanting to spend more time with his daughter and, and his family, and, you know, just knowing that that's important to him, and, and it was conflicting, and, and there were things where he was having to miss, and uh, he didn't want to do that anymore, uh, and then, you know, kind of sports spectrum came into his life there. So it's really cool. Great to see them growing. And uh, man, what a fun episode this was. Like I said, guys, August is right here. Football season is right here. I cannot wait. We've got kind of our previews coming up. We have ACC Media Day coming up. A lot of great things where we're talking 
all ball. It's about to be 100 miles an hour really quickly around here. So just buckle your seatbelts. Hold on, because it's about to be a show and excited to jump into that KG. But another great episode here from us. Thanks to our friends over at Ingles. We really appreciate them, of course. And we need your guys' help. We need you to go over to YouTube, subscribe, jump in the comments. It's always fun to hear what you guys think, what you have to say there. And of course, the OGs over on Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe there as well. Uh, We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see you.